To kick off our message this morning, watch this. This started with an idea. Somehow, if we were given the opportunity, we could become more. If given the place and the time, we could build a nation where everyone could become more. We prayed for favor. We believed that out of many, we could become one. Though America was never simple, our nation did not give in or give up. We crawled, strived for dreams and freedoms we believed in, fought to hold hands as we learned to stand on our own. It began with the idea that beliefs should not be dictated. Freedom was to be shared. Worship was the right of the individual, not the responsibility of the government. All of these things were self-evident. We knew it in our hearts. They were inalienable for everyone, endowed by our Creator, God-given. On this day, we remember our freedom, and we thank the God who provided it. May God bless America. Indeed, as we celebrate this 4th of July weekend, freedom is what it's all about. And as the video said, it's particularly about the freedom that God has given us. And when we hear the word freedom, so many things it brings to mind. In fact, doing a Google search of freedom results in 705 million different things. So with 705 million ways to understand freedom, how are we ourselves, you and me, to embrace freedom, to embody freedom, and to entertain freedom in our lives? Because after all, freedom not only defines our relationship with our country, but freedom also embodies our relationship with each other, and even more importantly, defines our relationship with God. Because Jesus says this about freedom in John 8:32 in the NIV. The truth will set you free. Well, how many of us have heard that before? I suspect all of us have. But I suspect also virtually all of us would agree and believe in that. Perhaps the only ones, let's say, that don't believe in that might be those who have something to hide, like maybe someone who's involved in some sort of criminal activity and doesn't want the truth of that exposed. Or perhaps it's somebody who misrepresents themselves to others and wouldn't want the truth of that to impend their ability to deceive others. Or maybe it might even be somebody believing that something about themselves would be better to remain hidden than it would be to be exposed. And so those are examples of people who might not really think that the truth would set them free, but rather such truth might actually complicate their situations. But truth is at the heart of freedom. That is not being weighed down by the complications in our lives. That's not to say that life's not complicated, because certainly it is. But there's a lot of difference in a life that's not weighed down by life's complications and a life that is weighed down by life's complications. And that's something this passage points us to that we don't really see. Because when we look at this passage, the truth will set you free. We don't see anything about a complication mentioned there at all in its few simple words, do we? But rather, what we see as we read the passage is that one word, free. 
And along with that word free, as you see there on the screen, are images of people shaking off shackles and breaking out of chains and restraints. But there's not much in that passage about that. Or is there? What about these words will set you, as in the truth will set you free? And if you're already free, why do you need to be set free? That's because the starting point of this passage is just the opposite. Jesus assumes the reason he needs to say this is because just the opposite of free in our situation, our condition is sometimes true. We're not always living with minimal weight from the complications in our life. In fact, there are things in our lives that can weigh us down so much more than we'd like. Thus, Jesus assumes that this is the reason that he made this statement. And since freedom is a very real issue for you and me, Jesus acknowledges that and also acknowledges that he is the solution for us in helping us to overcome the weight of complication in our lives. He also said this in John 14, 6 in the NIV. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, because he is, after all, just that. He is the way that truth indeed does set us free in our lives, as we see in Jesus' story from Matthew's 25th chapter, in which he clearly shows us three distinct facets of freedom that he wants us to be very clear about in our lives. The first of these is the absence of freedom, as we see in Matthew 25:14 in the New Century Version. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who was going to another place for a visit, Before he left, he called for his servants. So let me stop there because the key word here is servants. Why? Because servants are not totally free to do what they want, are they? There is an absence of freedom in their lives because their life is directed by the one that they serve. Same is true for us. We aren't totally free. What does that mean? It means that something has gotten a hold of us. Something might be controlling us. And if we are indeed serving something and then it's got the best of us. Now, often in the Bible, those people whose servants attend to are referred to as their masters. When we, too, are not free in our lives, here's the thing. Something that is controlling us is actually mastering us. And it becomes our master, even though we don't think of it that way. We think of it instead as something maybe we're struggling with or something we're trying to work out or something difficult that we're dealing with or trying to get on the right side of in our lives. But when that struggle continues on and on, or that something we're trying to work out keeps you trying and trying and trying, or that difficulty you're dealing with keeps you dealing and dealing and dealing with it, then whatever that thing turns out to be, it is something that's trying to get the best of you. And all the time you're thinking about it, struggling with it, trying to work it out, trying to get on the right side of it, you're not free no matter how you might choose to see that. You're not free. For instance, if you find yourself addicted to something, addiction is your master. And if you find yourself for some reason serving your addiction, feeding your addiction, giving your addiction life and control over you, for you there is a definite absence of freedom in that. In a moment of confession here for me, achievement has been a master addiction in my life. My desire for achievement, frankly, much of my life has mastered me. And the weight of my desire for achievement has caused me, especially in my younger years, to overwork much of my life. Letting work 
overly control my schedule, and making me miss out on important things of life, like family, like having a healthy amount of rest, like worrying about what is going on and what I need to work on even when I'm not working. And the result has been a big absence of freedom in my life, outwardly and inwardly. So thus, even seemingly good things like wanting to do well in life can rob us of our freedom in life and can cause us to serve such things as we feed them and allow them to master us and control us. And it's not always so obvious for us. So I'd like you to take a moment right now. Think of one thing that has robbed you of some freedom. Something you fed, something that controlled you or mastered you. It could be something seemingly good, like a desire to achieve or to excel at something that has controlled you. It could be something more obviously bad or unhealthy or harmful that has controlled you. It may be a bad habit, a bad attitude, a bad disposition about something. So whatever it is or was, focus on the reality of that for just a moment. Because you're recognizing the truth of that before God today can and will be the first step to setting you free from that because we can never change what we can't see. And if you can see something holding you down, holding you back from the freedom that you're meant to have, then with that insight and with God's truth about that thing in your life, that is the beginning of your freedom away from that thing. Thus, such truth really can and will set you free. We see another place in the Bible, the first facet of this absence of freedom in Genesis 39, 19 through 20, the New Century Version. When Joseph's master heard what his wife said Joseph had done, he became very angry. So Potiphar arrested Joseph, put him into the prison where the king's prisoners were put. And Joseph stayed there in the prison. This is the Joseph who was having a bad run when it came to his freedom. First, he was sold into slavery by his brothers, and he ended up being a servant to Papafar, whose wife lied about him, causing him to be put into prison. So Joseph's freedom was absent because of the hatred of his brother and the lie by Papafar's wife. And sometimes, too, our freedom can be taken from us by something that's not of our own doing. On my climb up the success and achievement ladder in my mind, I made many mistakes. But some of the biggest setbacks came from things beyond me and beyond my control. A couple of churches I served, I witnessed key persons in ministry seduced by bad ideas and bad theologies. And neither I nor those churches and their leaders I served with could condone those beliefs. And the result was serious setbacks in both churches. And the freedom and the joy in Christ that we all wanted to feel in those congregations suffered greatly as a result. And thus, we were not free. But that's not God's desire and plan for us. Because look at what happens next in verses 21 through 23. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him kindness and caused the prison warden to like Joseph. The prison warden chose Joseph to take care of all the prisoners And he was responsible for whatever was done in the prison. The prison warden paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and made him successful in everything he did. Now, Joseph was a devout man who believed in God and trusted God. And no doubt he asked God for help in the absence of the freedom that he experienced there in prison. And although we're not told what God had Joseph do, 
whatever it was, it caused Joseph's freedom to rise greatly, even though he still wasn't totally free there in prison. But the advent of his freedom, the beginning of his freedom, toward the fulfillment of his freedom, was evident there. And that's the second facet of freedom that God wants us to clearly see. That is the advent of freedom with its realization and its awareness of the potentially something more going on in your life. And we see that in this passage as God caused the warden to like Joseph, resulting in the advent of much more freedom he had there. And essentially he took over the operation of the prison, although he was still in prison, he was completely in charge. Back in Matthew's 25th chapter, we see a very similar thing happening in verse 14, which tells us again, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who's going to another place for a visit. Before he left, he called for his servants and told them to take care of his things while he was gone. Yes, the master would be away, but now the servants would be in charge. Certainly they weren't completely free either, but now they were the ones who would indeed be in charge of their master's estate. And this was the advent of their freedom, the beginnings of their freedom, leading towards the fulfillment of their freedom. And how about you? Can you remember a time when your freedom was bogged down by something within you or by something going on beyond you and you lifted it up to God? And God had you alter the path of something in your life. May have been something rather noticeably big, or could have been something rather seemingly small. But as a result, the absence of freedom in your life began to fade out, and the advent of freedom began to dawn. That's certainly true for me and some of the setbacks that have been thrust upon me in my life that produced painful feelings of futility and failure in which I certainly wasn't free. But after wrestling with those feelings and honestly struggling somehow to fix them on my own, I finally gave them back to God. And he guided me into leaving the absence of freedom from those things behind. And he brought about the advent of some new freedom in my life as a result to potentially become more than I could be when I was weighed down under the weight of those complications and frustrations in my life. So in whatever way you're feeling the absence of freedom, put it before God. Let him settle some truth into you so that with his help, the advent of freedom can begin anew for you. So beyond the absence of freedom, beyond the advent of freedom, comes this third facet, which is the objective of freedom, that we would go on to something more in our lives. We see that with Joseph when he was in prison. He interpreted the dreams of two of Pharaoh's key men, which led him to the opportunity to interpret the dream of Pharaoh himself. And the result we see in Genesis 41, 39 through 41 in the New Century Version, the Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there's no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace and all my people submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. You see, after the absence of freedom in Joseph's life came the advent of freedom in Joseph's life, which led to the objective of freedom. He was to be number two in all of Egypt. Same for you and me. After the absence of freedom in your life comes the advent of freedom in your life, which leads you to the objective of freedom, 
without being held back, you can go on to something more. It doesn't have to be something as big as what Joseph experienced. I mean, we're not talking about you going from being a B biology student to coming up with a cure for cancer. We're not talking about you winning the Nobel Peace Prize. We're not talking about you having to be absolutely the best at anything at all other than who it is that God created you to be. That's the objective of freedom, to grow in your life with God's help to something more in some way beyond where you are now. Have you ever heard this? When you're not really living, then some part of you could be dying. Well, in the same way, if something is holding back your freedom for you to be all you can be, it's true that something is killing that potential in you. I read a story this week about a boy who caught a young mockingbird because he loved to hear them sing, put him in a cage outside his home. And on the second day, he saw the mother bird come to the cage and feed the young bird through the bars. This really pleased him. But then the next morning, he found the little bird was dead. He later found out that a mother mockingbird that finds her young in some way confined will feed it poison berries. And the mother evidently thinks it's better for the one she loves not to live a life that it was not created to live. Well, it sounds kind of cruel and shocking. None of us need to live that way, living a life less than what we were created to live. And again, we're all not created to set the world on fire, to do something so great that wealth and fame and a Nobel Prize is going to come our way. But there is such satisfaction and such fulfillment and such peace in living in that light and inspiration for which you were created. And we see this with the servants in Matthew 25, when the master was going away and leaving his servants in charge. He said this to them in verses 15 through 23. He gave one servant five bags of gold, another two bags of gold, and a third one bag of gold, each one as much as he could handle. Then he left. The servant who got five bags of gold went quickly to invest the money and earned five bags more. In the same way, the servant who had two bags invested them and earned two bags more. But the servant who got one bag went out, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master came home asking the servants what they did with his money. The servant who had given five bags of gold brought five bags more to the master and said, Master, you trusted me to care for five bags of gold, so I used your five bags of gold to earn five more. The master answered, You did well. You're a good and loyal servant. Because you were loyal with small things, I'll let you care for much greater things. Come and share my joy with me. And then the servant who had been given two bags of gold came to the master and said, Master, you gave me two bags of gold to care for, so I used the two bags to earn two more. The master said, You did well. You're a good and loyal servant. Because you were loyal with small things, I will let you care for much greater things. Come and share my joy. You see, the master's servants went from the absence of freedom to enjoy a new advent of freedom when the master went away and put them in charge. And now the two servants embrace that freedom and the objective of freedom, as God puts it, to go beyond where they were and invest themselves in something more. It also happened with Joseph in going from being a prisoner to becoming second command of all of Egypt. Now for these two servants in Matthew 25, they went from simply serving their master Onto becoming something more, as the master put it, in charge of much greater things. Now, the 
fact that the master even invites him here to come and share his joy is amazing. But you see, that's what God's goal is for all of us, to share in his joy. Not that everything in our lives is ever going to be perfect, but in spite of life's tough turns, God wants us to be people filled with his joy, not weighed down with life's concerns. But sadly, that's what we see with the third servant as we get to verse 24. Then the servant who had been given one bag of gold came to the master and said, Master, I knew you were a hard man. You harvest things you did not plant, and you gather crops where you do not sow any seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your money in the ground. Here's your bag of gold. The master answered, You're a a wicked and lazy servant. You say you knew that I harvest where I do not plant, that I gather crops where I do not sow any seed. So you should have put my gold in the bank. Then when I came home, I would have received my gold back with interest. Then the master said, Throw that useless servant outside into the darkness where people will cry and grind their teeth with pain. You see, for the third servant, what was holding his back was his fear. And he said, I was afraid, and I went and hid your money in the ground. Thus, lacking freedom in your life is very painful because it wounds your heart and it wounds your spirit. And what happens when we serve whatever things block our freedom and make it absent in our lives, retarding the advent or the beginning of freedom, then that also blocks the objective of freedom and the blessing of freedom that God wants in our lives. So avoid and reject those things in your life that block the beginnings and the blessings of your freedom in life. Harry Houdini, the escape artist, he was famous for being able to get free from any jail cell that he was locked into very, very quickly. And he did it by hiding a piece of metal in his belt and then simply picking the lock when no one was looking. But once there was something off and is trying to pick a particular cell lock, for 30 minutes he worked without getting anywhere. Then an hour passed, he still hadn't picked the lock. By now he was bathed in sweat, he was panting in futility. And finally, after laboring two hours, he collapsed in frustration and failure. But when his full weight fell against that cell door, it simply swung open because of the fact that it had never been locked at all. But in his mind, it was locked the whole time. And that's what kept him in from walking out of that jail cell two hours earlier. Let me say that too was us. Jesus says, the truth will set you free. He also said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And in other words, Jesus is saying, embrace the truth my way and you will be free in your life. Correspondingly, let go of the truth your way because your truth and your way will keep you locked up and blocked up away from the freedom that God created you to live. So look at where God's joy is absent in your life. And look at what God says about that thing and other such things in your life. And along with him, put his full weight against it and watch that imprisoning door swing open for you. And watch that block to your freedom and joy dissipate. And this beginning and the blessings of God's freedom begin to dominate, guiding you to something more in your life. Will you do that? And will you pray with me now? Great God, we just thank you so much for the freedom inside that we have in Jesus Christ. Father, life is very complicated. There's so many things that can press in on our hearts and our spirits. And yet, Father, we know that even when those things are great, that you offer us a new freedom, a new way of looking at those things, a new strength 
a new resolve, a new way to understand, a new way to live. You can give us that life through your spirit, Father. So help us, dear God, to receive that. Help us, Father, to lift up to you those things that that are weighing us down in our lives. And help us, Father, to receive what you would have us to know and to do so that we can move to the blessings of the freedom you have for each of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.